system of Urdhva Pundra or Tilak that goes up and down, straight, rather than Tilak going across like this, which is worn by the Shaivites. So there's a different, a differing um, symbolic uh, uh, um, marking for the different sects, for the Vaishnavas, as I'm speaking about in a broad sense, and for the Shaivites. Um, and then within the Vaishnavas, of course, there are different uh, lineages, <laughs> and there are thought to be. There's a statement in the Padma Purana that there are four different uh, Vaishnav sects or lineages stemming from the um, from Brahma, the Kumars. Um, uh, Lakshmi and Shiva. Uh, within modern historical time, then there are uh, prominent persons who are thought to represent those different um, ahistorical personalities and um, the way in which those that conclusion has been arrived at as to who represents which of those ahistorical figures Brahma, Rudra, Kumaras, and Lakshmi is is uh, uh, um, I guess it's an opinion. It's it's uh, it's derived from their teachings. The teachings are distinct, and within the context of the teachings, they give a they give a particular a prominent, uh, they identify the prominent role or the origin of their sambradaya with those um, historical persons. Hmm? That said, um, there are more than four of those. Uh, the prominent ones, it's thought, are Ramanuja, 
Nimbarka, um, Vishnu Swami, and and Madhva, and then there's the Chaitanya Sampradaya, which historically, uh, traditionally, over hundreds of years, dating from the eternal associates of Mahaprabhu and their writings, such as Kavi Karnapur, Gopal Guru Goswami, many authors thereafter for hundreds of years, up to Baladev Vidyabhushan, who did it also in a prominent way, these acharyas identified our lineage with the Brahma, Madhva lineage, and made a connection in, in their um, minds between the Madhavendra Puri and the uh, Madhva lineage in, in more recent times, that um, connection between um, Madhavendra Puri and the um, Madhva line has been questioned by modern um, objectivity, academic standards, um, um, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big subject that's been on my mind recently, but um, um, uh, at any rate, the testimony of the associates of Mahaprabhu is, is powerful evidence for for Gaudiya's. It may not be powerful evidence for Madhva's as to the connection between Madhavendrapuri and the Madhva line, but for that matter, the connection of Madhva to the Brahma line is also simply an article of faith because it's it's well known that Madhva was a student of the Advaita, Advaitin lineage, and uh, he, he took sannyas in that lineage. And then it is said that he went, then his, he espoused a different doctrine from the Advaitins, one that was diametrically opposed to it, even by its name, Dvaita, as opposed to Advaita. And, uh, and then it's said that his, in the history of the Madhvas that he went to the Himalayas and spoke with, with Vyas and got his ideas confirmed. So we, um, are generous in um, supporting the faith of the Madhvas that Vyas went there and and found, or excuse me, Madhva went there and talked with Vyas. It would be a little hard to confirm um, such an idea, but um, we're generous and we and we and we we support their faith and acknowledge them as a representative representative of the Brahma. Sampradaya, which begins with Krishna speaking to Brahma, hmm? right? Um, some of the Madhvas question then our connection to to them hmm? and to the Brahma Sampradaya, and sometimes make a case that we're not one of the four Sampradayas mentioned in the Padma Purana, stemming from Brahma. Lakshmi, Kumars, or, or Shiva, so we're some type of renegades, something like that. That is to say, they're apparently not as generous as we are. Um, we have articles of faith as well, and our faith lies in the, uh, the testimony of Gopal Guru Goswami, uh, Kavi Karnapur, for example. Um, there are statements from the Balabha Sampradaya also, which is a contemporary Sampradaya, 
uh, with Mahaprabhu stemming from Vishnu Swami, um, the grandsons of Balaba. The two of them have, um, Yadunath and Gokulnath, have both written books in which they describe the relationship between Madhavendra Puri and their grandfather, Balaba, who I believe they say took sannyas from Madhavendra Puri, who studied Shastra uh, under Madhavendra Puri, who was a Madhva. Hmm? Uh, the problem, one of the problems, of course, just as an aside here, is that Madhavendra Puri is a sannyasi. Puri is a sannyasi name that's not given by the Madhvas. The Madhvas give all their sannyasis the name, the title Tirtha. Um, and so, there's an argument that uh, that um, Madhavendra Puri is not a was not a member of the Madhva line. Um, and, of course, there are the arguments as well that the teachings that are, came out of, that, that, that uh, blossomed uh, and bore, in, Mahab, in, in Madhavendra Puri and, and, and bore fruit in, in the person of Ishvara Puri and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are very different than the Madhva teachings in, in some respects. There, 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 there are some significant uh, differences. Um, and so again, the case from some that we are the renegade unauthorized group whose mantras don't come from one of the four sampradayas and, and sampradaya vihinaye mantras te nishpalamata. The Padma Purana goes on to say, if you don't get your mantra from one of these four sampradayas, it won't bear any fruit. Hmm? So... Um, um, it's a it's a it's a bit of a, a controversy that's been around for quite some time, but um, as I say, the testament of the uh, of the grandsons of Balaba, it uh, can't be relegated merely to, to hearsay. These are sadhus; they they were um, they knew Balaba. They were his grandsons, and uh, so it's not a very distant um, connection. So that's one sampradaya, and then there's the Gaudiya sampradaya, so it's two sampradayas against one. <laughs> With regard to the Madhavendra Puri being connected to the Madhva sampradaya. Hmm? Um, our article of faith uh, is, of course, in comparison to the Madhvas, and being Madhva spoke to Vyas and had all of his insights of Dvaitavad confirmed. Our article of faith is is that that although Madhva was um, in some way connected, uh, Madhva Nupuri, excuse me, in some way was connected to the Madhva Sampradaya, and I will answer your question, but in uh, uh, some way connected to the um, Madhva Sampradaya, perhaps he was initiated as a, san, by, as a sannyasi, as an Advaitin, and got the, tape, the title Puri. We find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas from the Advaitin Keshava Bharati, Brahmananda Puri, Brahmananda Bharati, Keshav Bharati, um, uh, these are, and, and several other, the nine, if you will, uh, metaphorical roots to the tree of love of God that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, who himself is also the distributor of the fruits and needs help, as explained by Krishna Kaviraj Goswami. Those nine metaphorical roots of the tree are these nine principal sannyasis who were elders of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Parmananda Puri, 
um, Keshava Puri, um, Keshava Bharati, Brahmananda Bharati, and, and, and so on. So they um, arguably, like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, all took sannyas from the prominent um, Advaitin sect. Uh, nonetheless, uh, despite their formal Advaita uh, connection by sannyas to the Advaitin lineage, they espoused uh, Vaishnavism. Hmm. Um, so uh, the way in which the lines were drawn in times gone by, it appears, um, at least amongst the Vaishnavas, <laughs> that there was uh, less of a sectarian uh, spirit, even where you have, for example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepts the commentary of Sridhar Swami that we trace to the Vishnu Swami, Sampradaya, uh, and all of our Goswami's commentaries defer to Sridhar Swami again and again, and the Swami said this, and the Swami said that, and then they elaborate and, of course, give their own insights as well. But Mahaprabhu was great, had great regard for Sridhar Swami's commentary, his followers do. This is the... Um, Vishnu Swami, Sampradaya. Hmm. Um, and then the position again that Madhavendra Puri is connected to the Madhva Sampradaya is a position taken by the, the Gaudiyas. We find Rupa Goswami in his uh, home, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, after explaining the angas, the limbs of the angi, the body of Vaidhi Bhakti, at the end of that section, second, uh, that section of the second chapter of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, what does he say there? He says, and while he has referred to this as Vaidhi Bhakti, he says, and there are others who refer to it as Mariada, and it's more or less the same. Hmm? When he can, then he follows that section by a section on Raghunuga Sadhana Bhakti, hmm? and then that completes the. Uh, the uh, the chapter on sadhana. But when he completes the section on Raghunuga Bhakti, he says, and there are others that call this pushti, and they're more or less the same. There's a very clear reference to the Balabha Sampradaya, which again is a modern representation of the Vishnu Swami Sampradaya, and Sridhar Swami uh, is a member of their prominent commentator and so forth. Balabha was a contemporary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, living in, in Vrindavan a good part of the time, and so forth. Um, whose grandson, well, his grandsons may have met Mahabharu, for all we know. But um, the um, um, uh, this is a, a clear example of how the Goswamis, as members of the new and budding, if you will, uh, Chaitanya Sampradaya, that they were empowered by Mahabharu to be the architects of, were living in Vrindavan with other Vaishnavas and other sects, like the Vishnu Swami sect, and Nimbarkis and, and are there also. But here is a reference particularly to the, the Balabas, and he says they're more or less the same. Now if you go and look at the, the philosophy and the Siddhanta of the Balabas and the Godis, there are all kind of things that will stick out. You're like, well, we don't believe that, we don't accept that. Hmm? But philosophy is a way, of course, of trying to put into words in a reasonable arrangement of thought um, that which is ineffable and beyond thought, that from which 
words return, that from which, as the Shruti says, the mind returns, unable to go there, capture it unto themselves. Hmm? So we stress our philosophy amongst ourselves. It's important because it's been explained um, by our empowered acharyas and it gives us a handle on the whole thing and conceptually orients us in such a way that 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 will foster the actions that constitute uttam bhakti, which will result in, in the prayojan, of attainment of of bhakti rasa, of prem, prem prayojan. Hmm? This is the ideal. So it's important to us. At the same time, it's, there's some relativity to it because such is the nature of attempts to verbalize or to put into words and thought to translate love into logic and and, and, and English, Sanskrit, Bengali, as, as may be the case. Um, so, before we get too, you know, caught up <laughs> in the philosophy, we should be, and it will very much help us, and so forth. But then when we look at other Vaishnav Sampradayas who have saints, or we look at other traditions, for example, like the Catholic saints, for example, or some of the uh, Sufi uh, saints and so forth. We have to acknowledge that, that if if their path is really ego-effacing, and there are examples of that, then they're having and within that there is some form of bhakti, at least a sattviki form of bhakti, for example, by which the jnanis can attain Brahman if they so desire. Sufism is kind of a mystic form of Islam, influenced by Dvaita Vedanta. Influenced by Dvaita Vedanta in terms of perhaps of identifying with with something that we call Brahman, that they might term differently, but um, at the same time carrying Islamic, uh, theistic, worshipful, worship, worshipfulness, um, bhakti-ish, if you will, um, sensibilities. So, and then you have many Catholic saints, mystics, and so forth, of the, especially of the medieval times and, and who are extraordinary persons. Bhakti Minod was generous to um, think like this in his very perennialist kind of uh, theistic perennialist perspective. This is what Bhakti Thakur was very much about. He wanted to take Gaudiya Vaishnavism, a, a great tradition that it is, that was not even respected in its homeland in Bengal, hmm? by Hindus, and put it on the world stage hmm? as one of the main religions in the world. And once it got there, say that it was, it was, the, was the main you know, act, if you will, in which the ideas of others are all included within. This is what he wanted to do. Hmm? And so he was very wise to try to find common ground hmm, at the time with world religions like Christianity, so he found common ground with that. Um, the way he spoke hmm, was very accommodating. He mentioned in his Gita commentary on the fourth chapter where Krishna says that Samba Mami, Duge, Duge, I come again and again, Yuga after Yuga. He says, this does not mean only in India. He may come in other countries as a Shaktivesha hmm, and preach the Dharma according to where the people are, what people are like and their cultural sensibilities there. Hmm? Um, 
This was not just the generosity of Bhakti Vinod as some kind of a preaching strategy, although there's a preaching strategy involved to to uh, bring attention to the super excellence of of Gaudiya Vedanta, its charm and um, its um, its 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 uh, depth of scriptural and theological philosophical insight. He wanted to do that, but he genuinely felt <laughs> that other traditions had 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 value and it's something to share and exchange in, in, the, in the world of ideas and thoughts and and uh, theologically and and, and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. That, they, that, they, that they, you know, as much as we will include Shantarasa within Bhakti Rasa or Dasi Rasa with Aishvarya in Vaikuntha, and you have to include these kind of Rumis and. Uh, um, St. Francis's and St. Uh, Teresa's and so forth and so on. Um, so, um, this is our Paribar, Bhakti Vinod Paribar. We are coming in that. I assume that you also are coming in the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. So, um, it's, a, it's a characteristic of the, uh, of the group. Very, um, very generous. Not sure how I segued into the Bhakti Vinod there, but, um, very generous, and um, and so we're generous with the madhvas, um, also. That there are, the, and and I'm saying that that the Goswamis were living in Vrindavan, and, and they they were generous with other Vaishnav groups, and they found common ground, despite differences of how to explain it. And the differences are not just how to explain it, but they were also explaining something a little different. Each of the lineages is explaining something a little different because each of them has a philosophy. That seeks to articulate and corresponds with the bhava, hmm? the window of opportunity that it affords. So, Balaba has a certain window of opportunity uh, in his sampradaya. Prominent, for example, in the Balaba sampradaya is the opportunity of Vatsali Rasa. We don't find it in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sampradaya. Hmm? We talk about it hmm? as a transcendental possibility and so forth. We honor it. We we pay our pranam to it, but we, we don't find it. Maybe some rare instance of it, something like that. Hmm? Uh, but in the Balabha Sampradaya, it's prominent. There's also a form of Madhurya Rasa that's, that's prominent in the Gopi Bhav in the Balabha Sampradaya, but it's different in the form that's prominent in Gaudiya Sampradaya. Gaudiya Sampradaya, of course, is what's prominent in Gaudiya Sampradaya is, is the Radha Dasyam, Manjari Baba, the handmaidens of Radha, and and also the Samananuga, the friends of, of Krishna, it's because it's founded by Gore and Nityananda. Gore, pursuing the love of Radha, the overflow of which is someone can also take part in that by way of uh, Radha Dasyam. It's a big subject. Um, and... Um, of course, we find the Goswamis in that Baba. And then you find Nityananda, the biggest helper of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm? bringing people to his attention, drawing people to his dispensation, and invariably his own Baba of Sakyarasa affecting certain devotees. So we find a current of that subcurrent, hmm? assisting, uh, we say, a, a, a role in the drama, a um, supporting. supporting role in the drama. Hmm? So, um, uh, so that they're different sampradayas, they have different, they present to us different windows of opportunity to enter into transcendence. You have to take the Nimbarka sampradaya 
You know, this is a rag marg sampradaya also. It's about sakibhav, hmm? not the manjari bhav. They don't accept the parakya in the paravyom, in, in Golok, and and they just have only sakibhav. They're, they're the ideal heirs. They just enter into sakibhav. There's no other rasas going on. It's just this, this sakibhav. Hmm? Um, so this tells you something about the nature of the spiritual world. It's, it's not like linear, it's like multidimensional, you can live in one part of one part of, uh, I knew one Gaudiya saint who, who his ideal was to live in one part of one uh, lila at one time of the day in, uh, in terms of the you know, eightfold divisions of the basic day in the life of, of Krishna. So, um, so they all have different. There's an Embarka window opportunity. That's Ragmarg. The Balaba windows of opportunity. That's Ragmarg. And the Godias. Then you have your Vaidhi Marg opportunities in Madva and Ramanuja, hmm, Sampradayas, um, uh, uh, Vishnu Swami, Sridhar Swami. Uh, it's kind of a little bit of both. But um, anyway, so. This statement from Rupa Goswami that I've cited, the two statements in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, they speak about the extent to which the Gaudiyas were living not only amongst themselves hmm, um, with, without a, a sectarian spirit, but amongst other Vaishnav Sampradayas, all of whom united to some extent um, against the, the um, Advaitin uh, perspective that um, was uh, prominent at the time, at least of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? So, um, so the point being that Madhva, as I'm saying, his connection to the, or excuse me, Madhavendra Puri, his connection to the Madhva Sampradaya, uh, it, it may not meet the formalities that we think of it today that 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 are important, significant, but they really more distinctly uh, identify one with this sampradaya, almost with the kind of propaganda that if you go over there, there's something wrong with you, there'll be a problem. And and modern day madhvas are like that. Unfortunately, they won't cross the ocean or anything, or they're just like nobody else is real except you know for them that they have to be a bit sectarian like that. Um, but um, but we see evidence from the time of Mahaprabhu. This, this wasn't uh, wasn't the case. Again, the leading sannyasis who were senior to him that formed the nine metaphorical roots of the tree, rooted in in otherworldliness, in renunciation, in a sense. Hmm? Of course, it's yukta by ragya. That's another you know interesting subject, and how we, we don't look at vairagya as a as a means, it's not an anga of bhakti, but it is a result, janiyati ashuvairagyam jnanam come of bhakti. Hmm? But um, but they were obviously, uh, fairly obviously, connected to the Shankar Sampradaya by way of their sannyas, their sannyas names, Bharati, Puri, so on and so forth. Yeah, but they were full followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, or becoming followers, and they weren't reinitiated by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for example. Um, so they had official 
connection in one place, but a substantial connection elsewhere, and 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 lived within that, and so forth. So we we kind of look at Madhavendrapuri as something like that. The details of his connection to the Madhavas, nobody can trace it out. You can dismiss it if you like, hmm? but then you would be dismissing the the statements of some of Mahaprabhu's eternal associates, like Kavi Karnapur, Gopal Guru Goswami, who arguably met Madhavendrapuri and were there at the formation of the Sampradaya. And um, the grounds for dismissing it are like kind of technical details that, yeah, we can't demonstrate that he was initiated and he got the name Tirtha or something, you know, and so on. That That's true. Um, but we have testimony also from the Balaba Sampradaya, as I said, the grandsons of of, of, of um, Balaba, the Godias. Um, and then um, our article of faith, if you will, that uh, corresponding with the, the faith of the Madhvas, that Madhva met Vyas, is that within Madhavendrapuri, hmm, and his um, Madhva influence, arose the seed of the conception of Mahaprabhu. Hmm? That, that that flowered and bore fruitfully in, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, the ideas of of um, uh, that, for example, that he that he is um, said to have expressed at the time of his his passing, hmm? love for Krishna and the mood of Radha and separation from Krishna. Uh, the, the, these are not. Um, Ideas found in the Madhva Sampradaya. This is where the lineage differs doctrinally, just in a, in, a, in a very central way. We find this coming in Madhavendrapuri. So our article of faith is, of course, that this is Krishna's Sampradaya, the Brahma Sampradaya. It begins with Krishna speaking to Brahma, hmm? and that Krishna appeared again as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And we have our evidences for this. Good evidences, not only scriptural evidences, but the very psychology, very psychology of Krishna, the depths of which are so um, insightfully uh, plumbed, uh, explored by the Goswamis. Hmm? Their reading of the Bhagavatam, that that if you look at it through their through their lens, you say there has to be. Another Leela to solve the crisis, the love and existential crisis of Krishna in his adolescence, hmm? as a taster of rasa, and finding that a, a figure outside of himself has rasa to an ex- it tastes rasa to an extent that's greater than his, and he's made the claim that anyone can approach me and I can reciprocate accordingly. Now my claim is in question. In my own mind, nobody else knows it. They all worship me, but I worship her. Am I mad? Hmm? How do I explain this? How will I? Of course, he, as I've said before in, in other discourse, he, 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 he's very introspective, and he comes to the conclusion, it is me. It's something in me that makes her attractive to me. Something in in her <coughs> makes her mad and enables her to taste rasa that exceeds my own capacity to taste it. Hmm? But it's in me, but I can't experience it. 
only from her vantage point can he be experienced. I am God, but <laughs> but there's something about me that that only only devotion to me, in her measure, can experience. So I want to experience myself from her vantage point. Hmm? This is right in the the, this, the apex, the climax of the Bhagavatam, the Raspanchajaya. This is where the whole thing is like, everything is an afterthought reflecting back on that or prior to that leading up to this point. Hmm? And there it is, Chaitanya Vaishnavism is found right there. There must be another Leela. And it must be Krishna Leela because it's not going to be Varaha or Nishringa or somebody else interested in tasting Radha's love. This is Prema Madhurya. This is a quality uh, exclusive to Krishna, not to Narayan or any of his avatars. You know? So Gore is Krishna. Hmm? And Gore, so what appear, what Sampradaya is Krishna going to appear in coming in this like new form? It's going to be his own Sampradaya. <laughs> right? He's going to come in the Krishna Brahma Sampradaya. Hmm? And so he makes his way makes his ingress into the heart of Madhavendra, the blessed soul, hmm? and then passes it on to Ishwar Puri and set an example. He takes initiation from Ishwar Puri. And so this is our article of faith. We say, yes, generously, we're members of the Brahma Madhva Godia, but if you Madhvas don't want to include us, we'll just say we're members of the Brahma, the Krishna Brahma Godia, and we don't know who you guys are. <laughs> You're in the gates. <laughs> Oh, they're talking with the Ahas, you know, in the Himalayas. Okay, <laughs> we can do, go that way as well. If we, if of course, we are more generous, not to, not to do that. And we honor the Madhva position, following the good example of Rupa Goswami. So there are different sampradayas, and we are a distinct one. Hmm? And uh, we come in the Krishna Brahma Madhva sampradaya, and uh, the difference in our teachings between Madhva and and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are um, really um, a, a an extension, we would say, an extension of, of the imp, um, implications, the uh, uh, further implications as to what transpired in the transaction between Krishna and Brahma that is so uh, beautifully and prominently portrayed in the Grantarat Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? It's also portrayed in the Shruti, Shruti uh, of Gop- Gopal Tapani, Brahma. Krishna speaks to Brahma, appearing as it's described in the Shruti in Gopavesh, hmm? in the dress of a Gopa. He gives the Krishna mantra, 18 syllable Krishna mantra, hmm? enlightens Brahma, Tene Brahma. The Bhagavatam reflects that uh, again. It calls itself. The, the Shruti Saram, the cream of the Shruti, the Bhagavat, it says itself, the Bhagavatam, that it is the mature work of Vyas. Hmm? So it's, if you want to ignore it, you can. Hmm? Or just read a, you know, kind of a short commentary on some chapters, like Madhva did. It's not the main book of the Madhvas. He excluded three chapters. 10th Canto, 11, 12, 13, and 14, the Brahma Vimohan Lila, which if you do, you don't have 18,000 slokas, hmm? which the other Puranas say the Bhagavatam consists of. 
18,000 slokas. Um, uh, and what it is that Krishna gave to Brahma in the four nutshell slokas, it's, it's not really brought out in any comparison by the Madhvas as it is by the Gaudis in the very rich and uh, theologically rich uh, notion. Um, um, so we can make a good case that doctrinally the Gaudias have a very strong claim on being a representation in the modern, in the historical time of the Brahma Sampradaya. Hmm? So, but we're generous to acknowledge the, uh, the character of Madhva and we believe that he met Vyas, hmm? however unbelievable it is, or any of these ahistorical characters may be from an academic and a materialistic uh, point of view that doesn't include possibilities that, that even the mind is, exists independently of the brain, so we, we don't go there tonight. But, but so there are different sects. And the sects, one of the ways, sorry, but the way in which they distinguish themselves from, from one another is by their markings. Hmm? Um, so that is, uh, to speak in a broad way, not an uncommon thing for people uh, historically to distinguish themselves by their markings. When I was a kid, young, we distinguished ourselves by long hair and other things, markings also. We had the clothes we wore and so forth. So we were the counterculture. Um, you know, then you have the, the, you know, you have the other example of the, the punk rock, what would they be called? community of young people. Uh, it was another generation. They had very distinct characteristics, haircuts and things like that, That uh, the external markings that uh, distinguished them. And, and so you can find this. And, and in the modern society, you know, there's a, um, you know, there's marking your body with tattoos, with lipstick, makeup, and so forth. It's been going on for ever. Hmm? It's not just some Aboriginal tribe or something that does that. Once I went to, uh, I had to go to the doctor for something. This was years ago, and I was dressed in my devotional attire and tilak, and the guy was a little bit um, uncultured, I would say, to say, "What's that stuff on your head?" You know, in a very kind of demeaning way. Um, and I said, well, you know, it's, it's, and I went on, it's, it's not cosmetic like, you know, which is a huge industry in America, and they're selling all this stuff and put, putting it on their face, you know, to, to attract men, and, you know, it's, it's not like that, you know. I kind of made it out to be the kind of aboriginal type of thing that it, that it is. <laughs> now, our marking is different. It, it speaks about a spiritual reality and a prospect of the self that transcends body, mind, and, and so forth, that speaks about the more that we all sense life is about that, that, uh, than what meets the eye and, and the mind. And it's, it's kind of marking the transcendentalists for hundreds of years um, from a land that, in which uh, transcendentalism is, is basically its, its worldview, India, kind of the, you know, the mother of, of religion in the world. The more a religious tradition, I would say, in my experience, the more a religious tradition becomes authentic, esoteric, 
it produces saints, the more it starts to look like Hinduism. You start finding acceptance of reincarnation possibilities, ahimsa, or, you know, St. Francis type of vegetarian perspective, and this type of thing. Um, so, Sanatana Dharma is another word for the uh, sometimes used for the perennial philosophy, showing itself in different ways. And anyway, so um, India. Hmm? This has been for centuries the uh, that the the different groups of transcendentalists, which speak about the fact that transcendence is variegated, and th- there are different methods. Um, for approaching it, although over in an overriding sense, bhakti is the method. You need grace. Still, your bhakti may mix with karma, with yoga, with gyan, or or unadulterated, and so forth, with aishvarya, or with madhurya, and it will result in different penetrations into transcendence. All of which, in one sense, are well and good and fine, and forms of perfection, and subjectively different and best. Subjectively, mine is best for me. Hmm. So, um, so they have characteristically over the centuries differentiated themselves physically hmm, by attire and, and 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 makeup, and Tilak is one of the makeups. Now that said, uh, it, we also uh, in our tradition, and it, and I'm not that well versed in other Vaishnav traditions, but I assume it's the same. Mark the body in in twelve different places with the tilak, and in doing so, we invoke the names, different names of Vishnu. So there's some type of esoteric sensibility of how the forms of Vishnu correspond with different parts of the body, and uh, we find Yashoda blessing Krishna and calling different, uh, uh, invoking different avatars to bless this arm, bless that arm, bless this back, upper back, his lower back, and so forth after having, for example, almost been crushed by the cart known as Shakatasura and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and so forth. So um, in one sense, we, we trace it back to that and the idea that, um, that, that we're kind of putting on a kind of protective Vishnu shield, if you will, by putting on, on the tilak. Um, so there's a kind of an internal esoteric side, and there's an external side to it that the tilak protects you because when people see it, they say, "What's that stuff?" And then you got to talk about it. And when you start talking about what you believe in, then you, you think, "Do I really believe in this?" I'm saying, "I guess I do." And then you have more <laughs> conviction. And what is my understanding? And then they have to think about it. And you couldn't answer it. And then you go back and get the book out, and so forth. So um, it protects us. In that way, we wear the tilak, we wear the kantimal. Now, within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, there are different paribars coming from Paradhar paribar, from Nityananda Prabhu, from Advaita, the Advaita paribar, Srivas paribar, um, Shamananda paribar, Narutam paribar, which are interesting because the Shamananda and the Narutam paribar are paribars that's, that are thought to stem from Shamananda and Narutam who were not. Um, associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Typically, the paribars begin with the associates of Mahaprabhu, the Goswamis, Skadadash, the Panchatattva, and so forth. But because of the prominent um, work, contribution of Narottam, um, who was the disciple of Lokanath, who was an eternal associate of Mahaprabhu in the Leela, he was present when Mahaprabhu was there, and 
Mahaprabhu told him to settle in Vrindavan and so forth, like he told Rupa Sanatana. Still, we don't call it the Lokanath Paribar, we call it the Naratam Paribar. That's throughout the Gaudiya community because of the prominence of this one disciple of Lokanath, Naratam. And Shamananda, of course, he was not an associate of Mahaprabhu, but um, his, his, his Param Guru, um, Goridas Pandit, who's Subal in Krishna Leela, one of the Dwaras to Gopals, associates of Nityananda Prabhu, he was, um, well, he's an, an eternal associate, and he um, uh, he initiated Hridaya Chaitanya, who initiated Duki Krishna, who became Shamananda, and we call it the Shamananda Paribar, hmm. because of intervention in that Sakiras lineage of Gopi Bhav and uh, in a prominent way, mystical way, that's a long story, of course, but in a similar way, just to make a point, we were taught, hmm, say, our our um, seniors, the disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, were taught by the Thakur when they asked, which paribar do we belong to, which is a question that they would get asked at times. Paribars are distinguished by their particular tilak. Which paribar do you belong to? And he told them, you should say, Bhakti Vinod Paribar. Hmm. So, because he felt the contribution of Bhakti Vinod was very uh, prominent, and so on and so forth, even though he himself was initiated by um, Gorkishwaras Babaji, who I believe his former lineage was in a, was in the Advaita Paribar, Bhakti Vinod's former lineage was in the was in the Nityananda Paribar. Hmm. Um, still, Bhakti Siddhanta said. So there's a precedent for that kind of thing. We might, someone might pick up on that in today's um, religious fanaticism that's prominent and say, therefore we call it the Bhaktivedanta Paribar. Hmm? But it's already the Bhaktivedanta Paribar. <laughs> uh, and my Guru Maharaj, Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, he uh, clearly taught us, if you study, that my mission is the mission of Bhaktivedanta. When asked by one of his disciples, prominent disciple, uh, about the statement of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, that the Thakur said, "I am left. I am leaving the world. My work undone." What did he mean? My Guru Maharaj replied. He said that he meant that Bhakti Vinod Thakur meant that he left some service, some little service for us to do out of his kindness. Hmm? Bhakti Vinod Thakur considered himself, in his own statement, to have witnessed the manifestation in Navadvipa of the, of the, of the, of the uh, Panchatattva performing Sankirtan in Nadia. It's a vision that Vishwanath uh, Chakravartakura, I believe, speaks about in Manduri Kadambani, hmm? with the, the dawning of perfection. And then he said, and I consider myself a sweeper a sweeper in front of the kirtan of the Panchatattva. I had the good fortune to be uh, to participate in the fulfillment of the prediction of Bhaktivinotakura that people from all over the world will come to Mayapur and chant the names of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We did this in 1973 or 74. 1974. <coughs> From all over the world, and we did kirtan, Jai Satchinandan, down the, down the one street <laughs> of uh, of Mayapur, and 
was so beautiful because people were coming out of their houses. Uh, ladies were coming out with like tr trays of sweets, and 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 the husband was there sweep the road in front of us, you know, some distance ahead, pour water, place the sweets, and offer it to the Sankirtan party. I mean, it just it was just otherworldly entirely. They were doing this, and you know, we this was the prediction of Bhakti Vinod. It's very extraordinary. Hmm? So he said, anyway, he considered himself like one of those people, like a sweeper hmm? in the uh, uh, in the uh, uh, head of the kirtan party of the Panchatattva. And Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur said, and I, he said, am one straw in the broom of Bhakti Vinod. Hmm? And so... Bhakti Vinod is a very, very generous uh, grandfather or, or great-grandfather of us at, at, at this point. It's his mission. Prabhupada said, my movement is the movement of Bhakti Vinod. Pujapada said, the idea came in Bhakti Vinod. Hmm? The characteristic of our Paribar is this kind of outreach in a thoughtful and essential sense that 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 doesn't get caught up often in details that often put uh, uh, religious traditions at odds or members of paribars at odds and the technical thing that's important form is important but substance is is more important his his broad kind of perspective his interface with the modern world that that's kept uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism alive I mean he did put it on the we're still working on it but it's somewhat on the world stage much more so than it was when his work began. Of course, the work of Bhakti Sarasri Thak were the work of my gurus are extraordinary in terms of being assistants, but we were asked by Bhakti Sarasri Thak at the time of his passing to keep the current of Bhakti Vinod Thak alive in the world. So we humbly dedicate ourselves to, to, to such. And so uh, that should be honored, I I believe, rather than calling it the Bhaktivedanta Paribar. I mean, Prabhupada, in his greatness, um, was, again, really kind of carrying out, the, the Sridhar said, the idea came in Bhaktivedanta, was given some shape by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada, and A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over the world, giving out nectar, like it was water, hmm. you know. If you've got nectar, the, the the fountain of youth, and you're just keeping it for a few people, and just giving it out to everybody. Uh, so it was his um, perspective. So we have our own tilak hmm. the, from the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. It looks something like this, or like, you know, <laughs> well, the question was, like, where is it originally from? Who? And what does the symbol mean? Is it a V for Vishnu? Is this a teal? Is this a Tulsi leaf? Is this supposed to be? Yeah, sometimes they refer to this as a Tulsi leaf. <laughs> Otherwise, this is called Urdhva Pundra, as I began, distinguished from the, I forget what they call it, the Shiva Pundra, which makes you a Vaishnava up and down. I mean, uh, you can say it's the footprint of God talked about in the Bible and Revelations that people will wear on their head, you know, at the time of the second coming and they'll be delivered. <laughs> um, I, uh, uh, well, it's uh, like I said. It's uh, it's it's found in the scriptures, hmm? and different parts of the body are identified with Vishnu. Now, the different paribars they do it a little bit differently, but they're all Udva Pundra, 
Hmm? Amongst the Vaishnavas, they do it a little differently. Within the Gaudiyas, Nityananda Paribhar, Dvaita Paribhar, they all have different tilaks, which have, would have come from Advaita, which would have come from Nityananda Prabhu, which would have come from um, Gadadhar, Pandit, and so forth. In, with the formalization of their lineage of, of sorts, they formalized some procedures within the formalities of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Otherwise, Krishna is wearing tilak, Vishnu tilak. Hmm? I get asked a lot, and I want to know what to tell people, but I can't explain it that way. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah. So generally, you know, I'm at the register, and they're like, "What is that?" Hmm. My reply is, "You know, it's a sacred mark that represents what I believe, and it's a protective mark." But yeah, it's you say it's typical of the Hindus. I'm a Hindu, mm-hmm. you can say. And there are different sects within Hinduism, and they distinguish themselves from one another by um, this particular marking in a way that other people distinguish themselves for different reasons. And that's probably more than they can digest right there. Um, But if you want to say, you know, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, has tilak on, and he has no beginning. Um, for, yeah, okay. For Krishna, it means in the Leela, Krishna's wearing it because he's a Vaishnava and his family worships Narayan. Narayan is God. So why does God, and he wears tilak too. So you can say, you know, I want to be like him. So, you know, why is, why is Narayan anything about him the way it is? It's almost a question that, he just—it's not worth asking. He just is like this, and that just happened. You know, why is there anything? Is a big philosophical question instead of nothing. So, uh, my mom's like, "What is that?" You know, yeah. I just want to have an yeah, 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 yeah. So, say the Hindus distinguish them. Different sects within Hinduism distinguish themselves by by marking on the forehead. Hmm. And it's um, a marking that symbolizes uh, de- exclusive devotion uh, to to Vishnu, to Krishna, hmm. something like that. And she'll probably think you're weird still. <laughs> I, I do love the history. Yeah, but it's worth also, you know. I mean, the 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 question is like that's weird. It's kind of behind it. it's like that's odd. What is that? And it is odd, and it's different than the markings that other people wear, but it's not odd in that everybody wears some kind of markings of some sort, hmm? uh, whether it be makeup or no makeup or the way they dress and so on and so forth. So, Thank you. Yeah, okay, well, it was a, you brought up some things that have been on my mind. I was glad I could speak about them. Hmm. So, what's the time? 8.03. 8.03, anything else? Yes, uh, briefly now. I was wondering if there is any overlapping between justice and mercy in the sense that that may happen and two people may see it from different perspectives. One might see the same thing as mercy that another sees as karmic implications. And so I'm wondering if those two perspectives are simultaneously true or if they're um, if they're both accomplished at the same time based on realization. I'm not sure I understand your question, but I think that one would be, let's say you see someone 
um, a devotee, something happens to them, and someone thinks it's their karma. Hmm? Someone else thinks it's Krishna's mercy. It's kind of how you're asking it. Which one is it? I mean, you could say it's both. Hmm? You could, because as we, we had a long discussion on karma and how it is removed gradually and so on and so forth uh, the other night. And um, so from that you can see that that um, it could be both. Hmm? In other words, the, the, the way in which the karma of a sadhaka plays out in terms of extinguishing itself is, is, is partially by the playing out of the karma and partially by the efficacy of, of, of bhakti, which, um, uh, which might alter it, change it, adjust it, you know, maybe you were meant to get run over and, and instead you, you just got bumped or something like that, you know, there, there could be, um, Krishna's in your life, you chant the holy name, so it could be both, you understand? And that's kind of how you're asking about it. Um, that's, um, both could be right. Hmm. Um, but um, uh, as, as much as one is involved in bhakti, then then this is the most powerful means for um, resolving karmic implications, more so than jnana, which can't remove the prabdha karma. And that's kind of what you're talking about, the prabdha karma, because you can't see the aparabdha karma. You can see it in form of desires, that are latent and, and so you haven't acted on perhaps, but so um, uh, so yeah. From different angles, you could call it both. Does that help? Hmm? Otherwise, the you know the mercy and justice. There needs to be justice in order for there to be mercy, because mercy is an overriding of justice. So Krishna defers to the Maya Shakti uh, with regard to karma. He has to have some relationship with her. He's not going to get in bed with her, but he 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 has some relationship. He can't just ignore her. So her she has a relationship with those in the world who are interacting with her in terms of reciprocating. That he just defers to her, but through his devotees, who are his kripa shakti, agents of his mercy, he overrides the jurisdiction. Hmm? Of, of karma. So mercy is, is an overriding of it. You can't have, you have to have both. So you have to have the justice, you have to have karma, anadi karma, and, and then you have to have the overriding of it. So both forces are eternally in the world. Karma without beginning, bhakti without beginning. There are always sadhakas in the world uh, forever. Hmm? The world has no beginning. Jivas have no beginning. Vishnu has no beginning. Hmm? The, what, what, what brings the jivas and the karmas together, which makes the world is karma, so karma has no beginning, but it, of course it can have an end hmm, by divine intervention and then our response to it. Does that help? All right, I think we've talked for some time now, so we'll stop there. Shri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai, Bhakti Vinod Parivar Ki Jai. Shri Shri Gaur Adam Adava Ki Jai Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai